0: What makes Wayne State the college of choice? With over 130 programs of study, it's the smart choice. With more opportunities to help define your future, it's the bold choice. With high-quality, hands-on learning that will transform you into a career-ready, in-demand graduate. And as the region's lowest-cost bachelor's degree, it's the affordable choice, including scholarship opportunities available to everyone. See why more students make Wayne State College their first choice. Get started at explorewaynestatecollege.com.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Rooney, and I'm talking to Angle D who is one third of the Nualas, the comedy trio, all girl musical group called the Nualas. She is one of those Nualas and Angle D um, wrote a book called I've Got Cancer, What's Your Excuse? which is is absolutely brilliant read not just about her her dealing with um uh, breast cancer and a mastectomy but also her life growing up in Sligo uh, having uh, started off life in lovely Manchester and then being transplanted to the middle of a bog in Sligo great book actually very funny and very sad and very riveting Um, I'm a bit distracted at the minute because I've just done a whole interview with Simon Delaney, the actor, presenter, brilliant, um, talented man. And I just found out that the uh, technical difficulties, due to technical difficulties, the whole interview doesn't exist. So we've just chatted for an hour and a half or around that. Uh, It was wonderful. We talked about Steve Coogan um, his work on uh, working with Steve Coogan and his work on Moon work as well on The Good Wife, which was an amazing interview, It's an amazing interview. But you will never hear it because it didn't record. So I'm a bit deflated, a little bit deflated. But Simon, the professional and just decent bloke that he is, is going to come in to me next week, and we're going to we're going to do the whole thing again. The only thing is, this time I'll. I'll have done so much research. I'll have done an hour and a half of research on Simon's life by actually talking to Simon himself. So uh, I'll be well up on everything. But it does feel weird. I I think it would be weird when you're asking somebody the same questions that you asked them last week. Nah, I'll probably forget. If I drink enough, I'll I'll forget. Um, So, yeah, because I'm heading off to uh, Azerbaijan on a uh, Friday to do a gig in Azar by Bleeding Jan and I uh, I'm do- it'll be expats though I'm doing it with Ian Carpenter and a few other people that, uh, so I'm going to interview him when I'm over there um, and oh yes I'm doing a live podcast the first live podcast for Rooney in the Stag's Head with the guests John Connors who's already been on the show Thomas Walsh from Pogwash, who was all, uh, on before and I said I'd get him back for a second um, part two interview. So he's going to come on live and Amanda Bronker, three guests for the price of one in the stag's head. We're going to record it live in front of a live audience on the 24th of February, Wednesday. If you're a fan of the show and you'd like to give something back to the show, Come along on Wednesday 10 euro for a ticket 3 guests It won't be just they'll, We'll record that There'll also be a bit of improv stand up um, It'll be a 2 hour show uh, Including the break uh, So tell your friends Come along to that um, Now just have a listen to uh, Angle D
0: How long do you record? An
1: oh, it's about an hour, I so say. Okay, I'm sure, it'll be great crack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Anne, I've, I've listened, I've read your book, and it's amazing. And thank you. <laughs> it's amazing for two reasons. Obviously, there's this cancer story, but also ne- I didn't really know your background, and some of it's very similar to my. Some of the rural part is similar. I could identify with, but. Um, but you came from... So I grew up in the countryside, but you came from Manchester, which must have been... You must have... Like, I know you were only six, but at the same time, you yeah. you had this different, completely different life. Well,
0: I've so... Well, actually, mm. I was five and a half. Five those, and a half. Those All few right. months make a difference. Yeah. Um, uh, and I have very clear memories of mm. England, and mm. I was starting... I was in my second year junior school, and mm. uh, it was a complete split because not only was it like moving from urban to rural, from Ireland, from England to Ireland, yeah. but it was we were a perfectly happy family and then mm. um, we just had a classic, you know, Irish, miserable. Everything went wrong. It was just a nightmare. Um, mm. I think that's the reason me and my brother and sister ended up involved in the arts because we are kind of, created a fantasy world to try and survive.
1: Right, like, because you were out uh, in uh, basically middle of nowhere, right? We it's were like in that.
0: the middle of nowhere, and we were in terrible living conditions, mm. and uh, and there was a huge shame in my life for years and years, until um, I just said, when I when I got the, the opportunity... The
1: shame, the shame is that...
0: The shame is... Well, it's the shame of where you live, you know? Yeah. We had no running water, we had no... We'd one cold tap. We yeah. no um, sanitation. Um, it was. You, I spent my whole childhood uh, keeping people away.
1: Yeah, I, know uh, story I was
0: so full of shame. You about know, about
1: when you the boy that you first went out with and his yeah. father was. It was his father
0: it. was driving me back, and I yeah. just we were in the middle of the bog, and it was dark. Mm. And I said, no, you have to let me out here. The idea of him seeing where I lived was such a huge shame. Mm. It is so funny now, like I'm 50 in March, and it's so hard to really connect with that awful shame. But I carried it for years because it leaves you feeling you're just not good enough. You've no confidence Um. Yeah, uh, and that shame has been the the biggest thing in my life. It's it's just made the difference for everything, you know. But I found that telling the story took all the... It, it just took the sting out of it. I yeah. think sharing stories are great. Like, I was pretty mm-hmm. clear in my head when I was writing it that I didn't want... it. I don't have a huge ego and I didn't want it to be like an ego exercise. Me, me, me. Oh, I'm writing about me. Oh, everybody read about me. I told the story honestly and as entertainingly as I could so that people would see themselves in it. Mm. And I think that can be the value of being honest. So I'm very honest about personal traumatic things that happened that I know resonate with so many Irish families. But they're hidden.
1: I know what I mean even telling the story you you felt it could be a big ego thing and that's kind of part of your upbringing isn't it that you're oh. not good enough to your story or yeah I mean I would feel the same probably yeah yeah very similar
0: yeah which is why a lot of us uh-huh. would go into comedy because yeah. um I, I, I think about it and I'm thinking about, it, I'm just, I, I've had very little sleep, Joe, because I'm doing yeah. an Arts Council application. Yeah. And I'm just looking back at the work I've done over the years. And I think a big part of comedy for me, I, I absolutely love comedy, by the way. And mm. it was, i le- we had insane laughter when we were kids. We just, it, things were so miserable that we just went, you know, it was, it was hilarious. It's like so shit. It's Bloody hilarious! It's a dark sense of humour. Yeah, but I was thinking yeah. that part of me doing yeah. comedy is I wasn't allowed to take myself seriously, and then mm. it did take me a long time to take myself seriously. Mm. And then actually, the
1: one thing you know, about the bu- comes through in the book is how close you, Kevin, and Una are. It's amazing.
0: It's brilliant. You know, Amazing. like we're Irish triplets. We're so close. There's mm. only a year and a month between me and my sister and then a year and a half between me and Kevin. And so we were steps of stairs in school and everything. You know, we were one after the other. Mm. So, uh, and and I think, and we were very isolated. Mm. And then we didn't go to the local parish school because my aunt thought in another school. So we used to go to that school. So we ended up really not knowing the close neighbours, not that there were close neighbours. Mm. We were kind of in the middle of nowhere. Mm. The three of us hated Ireland because everything was so shit. So we were going around <laughs> with our little English accents going, we're English, we're <laughs> English, and living in a fantasy world. A absolutely fantasy world. Like um, like I had my fairy, there was a fairy tree, a big oak tree in the middle of the meadow <laughs> Yeah. I would be going down, talking into the branches as if they were a microphone, you yeah. know, and singing, you know, and when you look back, you go that 's wonderful. I feel sorry for kids in cities now that don 't have the joy mm. of being able to run off down the fields like i 'd spend whole days down the fields. Mm. You know, you could just go off. You know, now kids, particularly when they live in apartments and they're a few floors up, you know, they can't go out mm-hmm. unless they're always accompanied, you know. It's, it's it, weird.
1: Actually, I've talked to a few people here. I've had that as well. I grew up in the farm. But I talked to Willie White, who grew up in Ballymon and he said he used to run out into the. Yeah, well, there was,
0: it's wonderful <laughs> there, isn't yeah, it? I yeah. mean, a, there was a lot of greenery. But I know, I yeah. just. I know, and mm. yeah, I know some people who live in the inner city, in the Ivy mm. Flats and stuff. And I know it was tough when the kids were younger and just letting them go down to the courtyard or whatever. And, mm, mm,
1: mm. Yeah. Uh, and, but you did say also that your uh, first feeling that you might have had depression was when you were in Manchester, at the age of five?
0: Oh yeah, um, yeah, I mean I remember this wave coming yeah. coming over me. I, I think I think um, I, I did grow up in very depressing circumstances, but I think that I'm mm.
1: genetically,
0: uh, it's in my DNA mm. to, to have depression. Uh, I, I think it is for a lot of Irish people, and mm. I have struggled with it an awful lot. And then, and so I'm just on medication all the time now.
1: Yeah, no, I... I, I'm I'm
0: totally medicated. No, but it's... I'll tell you the annoying thing about medication is when they say, when you first say, I think I'll finally try meds, and they give you the med and you take it, and you want it to be like cocaine. You want to go, woohoo, I'm king of the world. (laughs) And the meds are so boring. I wish, I wish... (laughs) <laughs> they made super meds. But I I've, I've, I am constantly on um, a low level of medication that I finally found the one. It's called Cymbalta. Yeah. And it it just keeps me on the even keel because I think if you suffer from bad depression, you're always a little bit afraid. I was talking to a young man I know. He's only 25 about it. And he suffered quite badly with depression. And he's just saying, I, I watch myself. And there's that kind of fear that you're just gonna slip back. Mm. And it it makes you lose confidence. Like I remember like working in RTE and I was playing a political correspondent and was having to go into press conferences and ask kind of joke questions. And that is not my thing at all. I was only doing it to pay the mortgage. I mean, it is really not the kind of stuff I even like, but it was very interesting. But at that time I was very depressed too and it really took an awful lot out of me to do that. Like yeah. I'd be shaking after. It really, you know, it really it took <sighs> took it out of me. Well, doing I mean, I
1: imagine, because you're not being yourself. You're going into a press conference... Pretending to be. Pretending
0: uh, to be. But I was asking the teacher questions. Like yeah. like we'd go in to remember, um, it was during the election and Bertie Ahern was having some sort of casual press thing in the Shelburne Hotel. And we went in with the crew and they weren't saying that it was a satire, in big inverted commas, mm. um, program. Uh, but the. Uh, The press guy was saying, you're not allowed to ask Bertie questions. This is not a question event. This is more of a social event. So no questions. And then, you know... (laughs) Had I had to, to get my question. It was a stupid question because I know I don't care about Irish politics. I have to be honest. Like, I, I used to have somebody with me all the time give me the background so I could make up something. Yeah. So I just went, Taoiseach, Taoiseach. <laughs> which way will you be voting in the general election? <laughs> and then he looked at me with a flash of kind of, who are you, anger. And I went, I just turned the camera and went, he doesn't seem to know. <laughs> it was very stupid. I, you know, now that... Now that I don't, I'm don't, i not working in telly and I'm not writing for the Mail on Sunday anymore, I used to write for them for seven years, um, I don't watch telly anymore. I mm. go, I'm free, I don't have to watch, you mm. know. So I listen to the BBC World Service mm. and I never watch Irish telly and I pretend I'm um, an internationalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah living
1: You're better you better know. off I, I actually did a similar thing uh, for TG Carr where I was in uh, the manager Irish football manager I had to go in and ask a question what's his name not Jack Charlton the guy oh, yeah. after him yeah. but um, um, I, he turned on me and he said <laughs> it's was people to... like you who make my job difficult and the other reporters turned did he know you were joking no yeah. at first he didn't and the other reporters turned on me and went yeah like kind of who are you? Kind of oh, and I was yeah. devastated.
0: Because those football geezers are tough fellas. Yeah,
1: so it's hard. Yeah, but uh, then I did get to interview him. But by then, my fake moustache was—I got so sweaty what, what it was you falling you think
0: off. About doing it, did you enjoy it?
1: No, not really. It's tough because you are like being an annoying idiot to You're someone an who annoyed... probably is ha- has yeah. had a tough
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I remember
1: uh,
0: uh, somebody else writing this question for me. It was a horrible question to Michael Noonan. And actually, he was a politician I really liked going around. I mm. thought, he's a nice man. I think he's... I just thought he, he there was something lovely mm. about him. Mm. And then I had to ask him a sarky question when they had lost. And... Uh, I thought, shit, Mm. there's better ways to pay the mortgage. So then I uh, got a job for the Central Statistics Office, cycling up and down to Dublin Port, asking people country of residence. And then what happened was I'd be going around Dublin Port, asking people in the cars, country of residence, please. And they'd be going, where's the camera? (laughs) i go, there's no camera, this This is is my job. job. (laughs) But I have to say, there's more integrity to that job. You know, sometimes in life you really have to step back and go, I know, like I was scraping by paying my mortgage on that, Mm. but I was much better off doing it. And I realised that one of the reasons I really hated doing that spoof stuff, I hate spoof telly. I hate taking the piss out of people. Mm. I hate being bitchy. I think what I really value is authenticity. And um, I mean, that is... um, uh, that's what's really important to me. That's what the world needs. I also think that we're kind of in a a post-deconstruction post, post deconstruction era. Do you know, we've had enough satire. It's easy to take the piss. I think it's harder to become well, kind of a true... Well, satire
1: doesn't work anymore. Uh, the politicians are delighted to be, to be featured on a satire. Yeah. Record. I mean, the day-to-day was really good because it took the piss out yeah. of the media. But it's very hard to do that because the media themselves are so powerful yeah, and Chris, advertising yeah. is so powerful. And also
0: Chris Morris did it the best. Yeah. Think, do you remember yeah. his thing? Well, mm. Me and Sue still do that who I write with in the new list. Mm. Um, you know that thing good or bad? He yes. had this pointer on his desk yeah. and he was yeah, asking yeah, people yeah. is that good <laughs> or bad? Yeah. Me and Sue still do that. <laughs> Push the arrow. Is that good <laughs> or bad? I thought it was really he remember was superb.
1: the uh, bad AIDS or good AIDS? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh um, so, yeah, um, I think
0: it's all been done. Um, there's there's big bloody issues in the world. Nobody's you could still talking do about. a
1: day to day. It's just uh, it's very, very difficult to do because you're actually uh, biting the hand that feeds you by doing something like day to day. You're taking the piss out of the TV station that's probably putting it on. Yeah, and most of the programs are on it. So it's yeah, hard and to it's get interesting
0: the way telly's mm. going. Like I think mm. when we were younger, the thing would be, "Oh, can you get on telly, or whatever?" But now the whole model's changing. Mm. Um, I'm glad I'm not. Are you, are you doing telly at the moment?
1: Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, mostly I'm doing stand-up. I'm doing, a few, I'm doing the podcast. You know, I'm trying to uh, just do what's truthful to me, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I love live performance. Yeah. And uh, I just did a workshop in Anna McCarrick. I was really lucky. They chose 10 artists from all over the place in different disciplines to uh, um, go to Anna McCarrig, um the artist residency in Monaghan. We went there mm. in the end of November with F10 days, or nearly two weeks, and just shared workshops of what we did. Yeah. And then created work together. And I just loved yeah, it. Amazing, and I kind of want to do some more of that. And, mm-hmm, I ha- mm-hmm. and I have an idea of the show. And of course, typical of me, I'm putting in my application to the Arts Council and I've spent so much time in it and... I'm mm. just going. Oh, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never give me any money. <laughs> and another thing is because of all the work I've done, like that bloody telly and stuff, they just think, ah, oh, hey, big bloody tit. <laughs> <laughs> <Been> back again. <laughs> I'm a tit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh well. yeah. But when you, uh, you, you, you um, did you have a religious upbringing? I'm just trying to figure out. Was it a religious up background? Your parents in. Even in Manchester, because I know when when I was when you got cancer, your mother's.
0: Oh, my mother is very religious, but she's yeah. also very funny. She's not yeah. one of those, um, po face people. What? Well, I remember I telling this story once? Right. Did you hear? Did you hear about the saucy sparrow? He spread his legs for a lark. <laughs> 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 That's the kind of joke my would tell. Yeah. She's um, my mum's very <laughs> naughty and very funny. Oh, really? And oh, yeah. okay. you know. She'd know that we don't go to Mass, but she'll always go, Oh, Anne, your religion, oh, I've prayed for you. And I appreciate her religion because mm. she doesn't shove it down your throat.
1: But when she, when you told her you had breast cancer, she wants you to go and get Padre Pio's She really, gloves. really
0: did, which I thought was funny. And then mm. it was my a friend of mine who was saying, Oh, yeah, get the scarf and the hat, the winter set. <laughs> really, there was so much... Mm. Um, So much funny stuff. It's such an intense period of time. And I remember going through it going, actually, this is really interesting. This is great. It's not knocking a feather out of me. But when I go back into hospitals now, I go, Mm. I have to get out quickly. I can't bear it. Mm. Uh, it, There's a machine in the gym that has a beep that sounds like those um, beeps you hear. Yeah, uh, monitors. Mm. And even to hear that makes me feel a bit sick. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky I I got over it because... I know uh, my um one of my oldest friends from Sligo years died uh two months ago. Oh from, really? yeah, from cancer yeah breast uh, cancer
1: breast cancer as well
0: mm-hmm um <coughs> yeah
1: that must be this is someone that you grew up with, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, you know what Patricia Dunn she was the first person you know' I was talking about shame. I used to... She lived 10 miles away from me. I knew her in secondary school. And I used to cycle out to her parents' house. And I remember sitting in a field on a hill and telling her about the situation at home. And she was the first person I ever told outside the house because it was all like, oh, the shame. Shh, things are mad. Don't let anybody know. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she was a very important person to me, a really um, significant other mm-hmm. in my life.
1: Um, and did you um, know that she was going...
0: Yeah, she she had g- got cancer 10 years ago. She lived in Amsterdam. Mm. And um, she was a very discreet person. And when I was going through my um, cancer treatment in 2011, uh, we were talking about it, and I was a bit upset with the chemo. I was feeling really low. And uh, I said, well, you know, Trish, you got through it. And she said, actually, Anne, I didn't. She said, I'm living with cancer. Mm. And... Um, I guess she didn't want to judge everybody as Trish on borrowed time but she knew she was uh. I mean the max she could go was 10 years so she had just about 10 years and then it came back about a year after I'd got through mine it came back and oh she went through hell spread everywhere ended up spreading to her brain okay. she uh, and then I really saw the way cancer cancer is so cruel mm. you know as you know yourself I well, mean, no, my you mother. know. Oh, yeah, your mum died when you were young, didn't she?
1: Yeah, oh, and breast cancer. Yeah, so, yeah, I know it was off. But um, did you... Um, then you felt that going to college well, was an escape. From
0: I thought that when I... And Kevin had said that to me. He said, you will thrive in college. He, I remember mm. him being quite down in his first year, but he went, you will thrive. And then I went to college and I didn't. I... Mm. Um, I was in the same class as Ardell Hannon and Barry mm. Murphy and Paul Donovan, who has a production company now. Um, oh, yeah. He's a film producer.
1: Paul Donovan, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I know, red right hair.
0: Yeah. Ruth Meehan, who's a film director.
1: o'mahony um, was he? o'mahony
0: mm-hmm. was in Kevin's year. I mean, mm. there was amazing mm. people there. Mm. Uh, Rita O'Reilly, who is prime mm. primetime journalist. Um, incredible people. But... Um, I felt I didn't fit in. I think I was doing the wrong thing. I wanted to study fine art, and I wish you'd just gone off and done that, um, or maybe just done pure English in Trinity or something. Mm. I don't know. I didn't. I, I was just thinking about escape, and and uh, communication mm. studies sounded great because because was so bloody vague, and yet it sounded like you were doing something academic. Mm. Um, and then the college was very small, and I felt very. Expensive exposed there. And then I just, I I think when you go away from home, you discover who you really are, what type of person. And I just remember going through college a lot. I just felt like I wanted to hide and there was nowhere to hide. That was a sense I had. Uh, There's nowhere to hide. You're exposed. And then the campus was so small Mm. that it was... Um, How do it you was kind of unpleasant well, I don't know I just, to, hmm? I just wanted you wanted to be anonymous to go, yeah I wanted yeah. to be anonymous and I wanted yeah. to be free and experiment with different things I yeah. think if I'd gone to a big campus like when, when I actually saw Trinity College because I never I don't think I'd ever been up to Dublin until I moved here Um I went, oh, that's, that's a beautiful place. I want to go there. And um, I managed to do really well in my leaving. I just crammed. Yeah, I crammed. I didn't, never studied in an organised way. I crammed to make sure that I wouldn't get stuck in Sligo. And when...
1: Were you I, encouraged by your parents to study? Oh, yeah, my mother yeah. was
0: very anxious to do the right thing. But yeah. all her life she's saying, that stupid course. That stupid course. Because we were good at school and we could have done something
1: proper. Uh, You know,
0: we could have... You know, I got very good points. I I, I could have really gone for something very sensible. Mm. But it it wouldn't have been right. But she Mm. always calls communication studies that stupid (laughs) course. And it was a bit of a stupid course at the time, I have to say. It was Mm. all over the bloody shop. Mm. I nearly got thrown out of it because we, uh, we had a video lecturer who didn't even know how to turn on a bloody video camera. And I remember sitting in the television studio thinking, I'm not coming to your lectures. You're rubbish. You don't know what you're doing. I'll go and sit in the library and read. And then I met um, Luke Gibbons, who was a lovely course uh, tutor we had. Um, He's a great lecturer. He's fantastic in in cultural studies. Mm. And he went, and did you know, you're going to be failed off the course. And he arranged for me. He arranged for me to do some extra project and I managed to stay in communication studies. Mm. But I remember sitting in the slipper pub when he had told me this, going... What are we going to do? Because my parents are split up. I had nowhere to go, and my home was my student digs. And I was like, "Oh my god, what am I going to do?" Because I had this thing. Um, I wasn't brave. I I wanted to hide. I just I loved my little bedroom. That mm. I hadn't drunk on mm. and that was my favorite place when I was at college. Yeah, and I thought the college was going to be long scarfs and protests and everybody for ideals, and instead, you went into this kind of yeah, well, there was about 80 people in a class with some very strong personalities, mm. and um. I, I just I didn't feel I fitted in. None
1: of the types you'd see up in the NTAD the the. Uh,
0: no, but art I, yeah. college
1: where you'd have
0: yeah more extreme many,
1: personalities,
0: more extreme personalities, yeah. and that would be yeah. good. Or Trinity College, I, I think I would have been mm. intimidated by Trinity because maybe there would have been a lot of a kind mm. of a snobby thing that I wouldn't have had the the steeliness to bat off. Yeah. Although I used to debate. Mm-hmm. I remember debating in the in the Philosophical Society, the conversation room of the Philosophical Society. There, oh yeah, And I remember talking to Iv- Ivana Bachic about it, and she was saying, "You know, you were great to do that because a lot of us, in first, you didn't have the confidence to be doing that. Mm. Uh, like, I wouldn't do. I just liked." Right, excuse me, funny debates. I, I didn't do any research. I remember I remember going into Trinity College to talk about that the unilateralists are the appeasers of the eighties. And my points were just <laughs> pulled out of my head. I remember saying, Oh, I had this point about um how how, you know, if we get rid of our nuclear weapons, how do we know they are not stockpiling them in Russia. And then some poshi went, Oh point of information, Miss Gildy, they have satellites that can mm. detect them down to stockpiles of one hundred mm. uh, warheads. And I went, Well, they'll keep them in piles of ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I managed to be both really lack of confidence and Andrew like Staley. mad.
1: But mad, typical of a comedian. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think it was it, it was total dysfunction that kind of uh, found me in that area. All
1: right. Um, but were your parents? Sorry, was there tension at home then before? Because you say they've split. They split up while you were at college, or they split up before? Oh, they split par-
0: up before. Like my parents. And, uh, I mean, it's ugh, oh, look at your. Sure, it's all the past now. But they, mm. my parents um, didn't talk to each other for most of my childhood,
1: oh, all right. you know. And it must have been, because you, you, okay, the reason you moved from Manchester to Sligo was because the land commission were going to take this farm. small farm that your father had left behind yeah, if I you mean, didn't use it.
0: Yeah. Now, had you have you heard stories like that before? Did no, you know that that used my, to happen?
1: The reason I moved from Galway or my family to, to me was because the land commission we uh, were moving farmers from the west to, to Meath and Kildare as well. I think they were taking land from uh, old estates, English estates, yes. splitting them up between farmers and moving them from small farms. And I think they were taking, say, they would have taken my father's yes. farm left behind and added it to another farm and given it to someone who wants to stay yes. and go. And I think but was, I didn't think they were actually taking land that somebody owned. If
0: land was left fallow,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: the neighbours could put in and say this land has been left fallow okay. and we want it divided up between us and it goes right back to the foundation of the state and to De Valera's idea of this little insular agrarian nation with everybody farming and yeah. this and um, I th- the land commission's gone now thank God but mm. I think it ruined a few people's lives.
1: We made our lives better actually.
0: Yeah well I, we I remember there was an Meath. old old. Um, I was about to say that, good land in Meath, mm. good landed me. We, we swapped
1: yeah. we ditched the sheep and got Friesian cows for a Yeah,
0: it. I would take a Friesian any day. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love, love the, the names you had for the cows, actually. Oh,
0: Whiteheady and Cr- Mrs. Tominess and yeah. Kinigad with a cow car were yeah, very yeah, long. Yeah. Yeah, the Why Kinigad Because my uncle, I had an mm. uncle who was, um, he was actually the chemist in, in Kinigad. my uncle mm. Paddy, and he had a farm too, and he brought that, the cow came from Kenny Gadd. Okay, okay. So okay. we got the We had
1: a cow called Walter because she, he just went from yeah. foot to foot as she was being milked. Can <laughs> I
0: ask you, did you uh, find this cow's really have each of their own personality
1: oh yeah definitely they yeah. really do and yeah. do, do
0: you remember mm. Eddie Izzard there was a big thing when Eddie Izzard oh, was yeah. writing his first thing for he wrote Telly. a thing called Cows and he wrote a thing called Cows I never saw and it and I remember I remember seeing it because it was mm. a massive failure because mm. well well, it's not his style of thing to do that but they were like East London Cows and Posh Cows there was Posh Cows and there was like the working class Cows yeah um, but I was so disappointed in it because it didn't, they didn't ca- capture the funny essence, the essence of, of cow. A cow. Yeah, cows are really funny. Ah,
1: they're lovely. They're
0: brilliant. They're lovely burps. You're looking at them, yeah. and I, I, I say and that's the too. way they're
1: always chewing away because they always have the cud to chew. And
0: yeah, and then you're hearing their burps, and <laughs> yeah, they're so smelly. Yeah. And that cow, Whiteheady, like mm. when I think back, it was so cruel. Like she'd have. The calf they did this to them, they'd have the calf, they'd link the calf a bit, and then mm. the calf would be taken and put in a pen. And I remember sitting in front of Whiteheady after she'd given birth and her, her licking me. Yeah. Um she was uh, such a lovely cow.
1: Because her calf had been taken away. Yeah. And they called to each other
0: Sometimes. Oh, it's so sad. And did you teach them to... to yeah,
1: I put my hand in their... Uh, milk mouth, replacer. Their tooth, toothless mouth yeah. and, and stick it down into the... Uh, well, no, we used to yeah. take the bee such which is the, the breast milk yeah. from the
0: yeah. cow
1: and in a bucket and bring it over. It wasn't milk oh, replacer. Oh,
0: all right. It the real yellowy thick they have. I don't remember that, but I remember no. we then have to teach the calves when they got a bit how to bigger drink. how to drink. Yeah, and yeah. then um, we used to love standing when we were kids. I just remember, we used to love yeah. standing with the backs of our legs to the calves and then they'd lick the back of your legs and it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then your jeans would be all wet and smelly. <laughs>
1: it was a lovely calf we had one of the heifers gave birth to a calf and just walked off and left it just had no maternal instinct obviously mm-hmm. and was premature as well and I picked that calf up it was tiny like a little dog it was so small mm. and picked it up and brought it in to the shed and that calf was like a little pet it was amazing and it, then they have it, to go and then yeah. and then the first time the calf turns is when you dehorn them and they realise oh humans can hurt you
0: Oh, and also, I hate when they squeeze them, as they call it. Oh, that squeeze. horrible! The big
1: thing. This is when they castrate thing. them, basically. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you see them squealing with pain. Yes, it's awful. Uh, mm. I, th- um, I keep when I talk about this, I feel like becoming a vegetarian because they are treated abominably.
1: Yeah, I know, and I'm not vegetarian either. Mm. Oh well.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's move on.
0: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the cows.
1: <laughs> Anyway, so when you when you left uh college did you go immediately to London? Yeah, everybody yeah, went to London. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I went over to London um and then there was a whole bunch of us um from college who got mm. um temping in British gas. Mm, mm, mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but, oh, my God, that was so, I find working in an office so boring. Mm. And there was one job everybody hated, which was just going through the files, down between the filing cabinets on a wheelie chair. And, Mm. I don't know, filing. And it was quite dusty and everything. And I used to love doing that because (laughs) all I was ever doing in that (laughs) office was looking for spaces where I could look like I was working. And I'd sleep.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: (laughs) I would sleep. You love sleep. Oh, I'll, yeah, big sleeper. You love sleeping. Right? I also remember another thing. There's yeah. a girl called um, Fiona Goff who's become a radio producer. She's, she, she is a radio producer. She mm. worked for years in the BBC. I think she's back in Ireland now. Actually, I know she is because I tweeted her ages ago. So mm. I think she's working in RTE. But I always remember it's the time of the fire on the London Underground. Mm. And then she was applying for the producers, the postgraduate uh, um, producers course in the BBC. Mm. And I remember interviewing me over the toilet. In in British Gas, to make it sound we were on the oh, underground yeah, yeah, together, yeah. discussing how we were traumatized. She was interviewing me about I'm a commuter, you know. You've been traumatized by the <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> by the underground fire. <laughs> I always remember that. Oh, and
1: when did you start? Because the first time I saw you or met you was when I was over in London doing a Sense of Ireland. Festivals. That's oh, that
0: office. um out that notorious festival where they yeah. spent loads and loads of money that some minion had signed off on and then the yeah. foreign officer had to pay for it. Is yeah, that the famous yeah, yeah. one? Yeah.
1: And I remember like check bouncing actually, my, my uh panic Yeah
0: because check. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I eventually did get paid. But um you were, we were in a bar and we were staying in this kind of small little dingy hotel, but at the we all had a few drinks and then you and two other girls started singing in harmony. And I was in all of this. I thought, Jesus, how that talented are these people? That was me
0: and lovely Stephanie Gerra, yeah. who, um, is who uh, is from Tavistock Place in Russell mm. Square, London, mm. and Jane Oliver from Leicestershire. And we, we I, when I went to London, I just was working in British Glass I thought Mm -hmm. I don't want this number Mm -hmm. one thing I don't quite know what I want in life number one thing Mm -hmm. I have to do is get out the nine to five Thatcher was changing the rules on whether or not you could go on the dole so I managed to get out of my job just at the point that I could get on the dole Mm Somebody gave me the keys to a squat in Elephant and Castle. The, you, you could squat then. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, well, North I stayed, Irish people squatted. I would go over
1: and stay with people in squats, yeah. yeah. And they were oh, lovely. Oh,
0: the, and the, the squats be, were lovely. You, well, people don't realise this. The population of London was falling until 1984. And mm-hmm. I think squatting was probably legal because it was something to do with the end of Second World War yeah, and people had to people live there. But now homeless. it is a criminal offence. get a criminal oh, record if you squat, which is ridiculous because, you know, London's gone crazy now. Mm. So anyway, I got my squat. I went on the dough and I started doing tons of workshops. I mm. did... I'd so many different things. I'd look in the back of city limits or time out and there'd be always Mm. things listed. Mm. It was still quite lefty there then, you know. So you'd find things like Lambeth Council would fund a theatre company to do a two-week workshop, come along.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: it was amazing stuff.
1: I remember being in London and seeing an ad in in the tube that said, uh, from the the Greater London Council, it said, do you know you could get your uh, laundry paid for by... Cancelled. just informing people. Yeah, it was amazing. Could.
0: And also there was yeah, like amazing yeah. night classes. It was an amazing time to be in London. So I did tons of stuff. And along mm. the way, I met mm. Jane and Stephanie and we mm. did everything together. I think personally, looking back, I put pressure on our work. We set up a little company called Doris Karloff. Yeah. And I, I guess I wanted all my security to be in the work because mm. I, I just wanted to find my life through work. Mm. And you can't do that. You find your life through people um, but I, I guess I didn't trust people because of what happened or whatever. I didn't trust relationship. I was certainly meeting someone settling down. I didn't believe in that model because of my experience growing up mm. so I just thought work will save me and um, but we had amazing so rather and, than really relaxing about what we were doing, we had such a brilliant time when mm. I look back. I was always going, but where is this leading? Is this good enough? Oh. Yeah
1: well, what yeah. kind of songs were you singing? I mean, oh,
0: songs we wrote. Oh, there's one. When it's such a beautiful day, you spill out of my heart and to no one in particular I say, I love you. I think that one of them went like that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it was, we wrote songs together and we yeah. did everything. We did...
1: Were proper like, songs? It wasn't comedy at all. It was proper...
0: Oh uh, Yeah, we did proper songs and then we yeah. did... We did. Out- can I use bad language on yes. this? Yes. Well, <laughs> we had. We had a sketch called The Bedfords. Yeah. Where, um, I was. I was the child, and um, uh, and then Jane was the beaten wife, and Stephanie was the dad. And, uh, as the dad, I remember this was a typical excerpt from sketch. You yeah. fucking little pile of fucking gobshite, cunt features. <laughs> I've got menstruation, daddy. I've got menstruation. I mean, it was just all expletives and disgusting yeah, about yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, so we did that. We did yeah. street theatre. We did everything. I mm-hmm. think we were also, I look back and I was going, we're taking ages to find where we're going. And it was only a couple of years. Yeah. And also, like I was 21, 22. We didn't realize how young we were and how we just got a little break. Oh, yeah. Here's a really funny story. Mm. Um, Jane had a boyfriend who worked in British Telecom, and we made a video over in my old college. Mm. And then we got tapes from there, and they were. It was kind of Wicker's world of Telecom. There were corporate videos done for British Telecom, yeah. and we were wiping the tapes. We get. We get a friend of mine was wiping the tapes, and then we were putting. He was arra- putting on our videotape of oh, what yeah. we'd recorded <laughs> and we were sending them to TV stations but the stuff we'd recorded wasn't good so nobody was getting back to us except one guy in the BBC who was really trying to contact us call me back now call me back whatever mm-hmm. and then we said oh it's great you like the stuff and it turned out that he the tape hadn't gone on to his tape and he was interested because it was Alan Wicker's World <laughs> of British Telecom and he thought it was like some really avant-garde thing we were doing and then we said oh no you've got the wrong tape and then when we sent him the tape of what we'd done he never got back to us <laughs> oh and I remember I, you know all that time in London it was going oh I just want to break I just want to Something to happen, and then I'll be happy. Then I can be secure. And now I look back and I go, that was the most brilliant time. You know, Mm. I I was living hand-to-mouth, and I didn't know what was going to happen in the next five minutes, but I did so much.
1: Mm. I mean... Jesus, yeah. And you started in stand-up as well when the stand-up scene was just Oh, well, like, I, of, I did uh,
0: workshops. I, I yeah, toured yeah. England with the uh, youth mm. theatre thing. Then we were doing a Green Itches Cabaret. Then I ended up going to Moscow with a the youth theatre company when yeah. it was still communist. It was amazing. Mm. And then... Yeah, then we set up a thing. Then we were doing we were doing mad um, sketches. There was all these mad mm. cabaret clubs at the time. Not just stand up. It was it was a wonderful time. When mm. I look back, it was a wonderful time in London. And then I it took me a good while to build up the confidence to do, to try stand up. Mm. I started, I think it was about twenty five before it really began. Mm-hmm. I began by doing performance poetry. Yeah, and I was also doing performance art stuff. There was just amazing um, places in London then.
1: You could do performance art stuff in the comedy club or just... No, no there was
0: performance art clubs and then there was places like Alternative Arts Mm. in Soho. They were trying to create Mm. a space in Carnaby Street. If you ever walk down Carnaby Street, Mm. there's a big mural on the side of one of the streets leading off and Alternative Arts created that Mm. and they wanted to make that space into a performance art space that would rival Covent Garden, that people Mm -hmm. would do street Mm theatre there. So they used to employ me and Jane and Stephanie to... To create, they had money. They had money from Westminster Council, and they used to give me and Jane and Stephanie money to do performances there to create the idea of it. We did the most stupid thing. There was one where we had gold boots, and we were dressed in rubbish bags, and then we just were on rubbish bags on the floor, and then we gradually got up, and it looked like we were rubbish bags walking around. And then we had big bottles of tomato sauce, and then we just then we just leaking the tomato sauce around thing, and then there were people walking by going what oh for fuck's sake <laughs> what, what, what are you doing that for Jesus Christ do you know like you know yeah, it's yeah. fucking in the middle of the day <laughs> it's fucking working this shit do you know it's all wrong Covent Garden is a tourist place Carnaby Street never yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my uh, god I look back and I go uh, it was, it was great. Yeah. Because um, I, I just don't think, I mean, everybody says this about the generation. I do, I do look back at it, Rose tinted Spectacles now mm-hmm. and I go, at least I found the space. At least there was a space in London then. And I, I don't think there is now. I think you have yeah. to get with the programme. You have to work for the man.
1: I would imagine so, yeah. Because, I mean, there was a very socialist set up there in in England at the time you know
0: it I was can just very, I mean you, I don't know can Jeremy keep... Corbyn solo mm. change it but it's mm. it's a better world when there's when it's more chill like that it mm-hmm. is a much it is, it is a, m- London was was great mm-hmm. I mean I became myself in London I had a very hard, quite hard time there just surviving and it was mm. tough because I was on my mm. own and
1: Mm. Oh, and you, you found the you stand up scene tough. I think. Didn't
0: oh, you? I really found this. St- uh, yeah. I think it's because I'm very soft. Yeah, and I think you have to be hard. Yeah, and you know they blather on and on about women in comedy, but I think for me. Um, it's just that the aesthetic is quite male, I think. I think so. Do you know because it's generally it's would. slightly ev- changing. Yeah. Now. Oh, it is changing now, Mm-mm. which is great. Mm-mm. But I would fi- I would think that the women who were doing stuff then were quite ladsy or chilled. Like oh, when I started out, um, Joe Brand. Was, yeah. Uh, but she was the sea monster. Do you remember that was her first name on the circus? Oh, yeah, I was saying it to someone the other day that when I heard that Joe Brand the 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 sea monster she was going to call herself by her real name Joe mm-hmm. Brown I remember thinking oh that's really silly everybody knows her as the sea monster really? now she was fantastic yeah you know brilliant and uh she was really chilled out I, I'm a more raw person and yeah. a more loony and you know what it's like it's a kind of um it's a different style of person who was doing comedy generally like I started out with Alistair McGowan I knew um Harry Hill Mm-hmm. Um, all those guys, you know.
1: But you say that one uh, show you did, and you came off stage, and the compare, I think that might be his line. He goes, She was all right, I fuck her that was the oh, line oh that, that was
0: Jeremy Hardy like I remember Jeremy saying,
1: Hardy Malcolm Hardy
0: Malcolm sorry not Jeremy don't say Jeremy Hardy <laughs> Jeremy Hardy isn't he <laughs> the, the most one? right on
1: guy
0: yeah <laughs> little greying Jeremy Hardy going do. oh do for me about political stuff oh I want to teach you Ooh, do I want to teach you or oh, do I want to do comedy <laughs> yeah, yeah, do I want to be a lecturer or am I doing a show Jeremy
1: Hardy yeah, oh, he, yeah. he did a he would uh, have collections for the Birmingham Six after his gigs which was very no, good was, of him no it was I great think. and Mark but Thomas, he, yeah, I'll yeah, tell you, yeah.
0: Jeremy Hardy was always nice. And Mark Thomas was lovely. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, so yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's that guy with the quiff? He used to do buzzcocks.
1: Oh, my, uh, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Lamar. Mark Lamar, yeah.
0: Yeah, bollocksy. Yeah, yeah, horrible. really? No, not really unfriendly. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I remember the nice ones. You know, mm. you have to be nice to people mm. when they start now. Mm. Well, uh, Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> I would be. You wouldn't be. No. <laughs> well, I, you could be. No, I? I don't. And, I, you, no, know, you do. You do. You do. No, I, I tell
0: you. So, well, you know one thing I loved. I used to love when i come out to Ireland and you could get up on the stage of the comedy cellar and do anything. Mm. But there was a decency because you'd always get a bit of the door. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's split, and I yeah. just thought that's so nice because I remember years ago. I knew Alistair McGowan, mm. and I was doing a show. And he went, I'll come, I'll, um, he was coming down to see me do a show. And, um, and then he, he said, and he brought Harry Hill along t- to see the show too. And then we went to the club, and it was in Streatham, mm. and... There was hardly anybody there. So the guy was running and saying, oh, Alistair and Harry, can you do the show? And Anne, you do an open spot. So, and then Harry was going, well, I don't have my shoes with me. He didn't have his special shoes. <sighs> it was the first time he went on stage without his special shoes. Right. So Harry went up and did his stuff without his special shoes. <laughs> I did my shit open spot. And then Alice to close the show. And they, you know, they were they were great. Mm-mm. Do you know Alice did all the voices? Yeah. Very yeah slick no, yeah, yeah, and everything. Got, and yeah, Harry was yeah. just funny and yeah, clever yeah. and mm. grounded and I mm. was just what am I doing with my life? Ooh, find me funny, find me funny. I'm a very dysfunctional person. I'm trying to do this. I don't want a proper job, that's why I'm here. I was just kind of Dealing getting by on mad energy and yeah. but I always remember that the guy in the club at the end he said, so okay, here's a, thanks for doing the show tonight, just keeping the club going and here And I always remember there was 30 quid, and he handed it to Alistair and Alistair gave a <laughs> dinner to Harry Hill, and then he went, and I'll, I'll get you back with the other five when you see you again." And I was standing there. And I remember, and it, it's—it wasn't meanness. It was yeah. that's just the way it's done. When you're doing an open spot, you don't get you paid. Don't get paid yeah. But the thing was, that Alistair was doing loads of voiceovers and work for the BBC and working on Spitting Image, so he's fucking rich. Yeah. And Harry was a doctor. You know, he trained yeah. as a doctor, and it was, you know, they were both nice English middle class boys. went, and yeah. I was, I was, uh, uh, like going hungry. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember I had a bike at the time to cycling back to Elephant and Castle after after the gig. And I just remember cry- I remember crying yeah. all the way back. Because I just felt this huge... I really miss Kevin and mm. and Barry and I never kind of felt knew how much they meant to me and what the seller meant to me. Mm. And they meant a lot to me, to have to that feeling of, of going hot. And I remember just cycling all the way back, crying the whole way, oh. and feeling really alone. And go, and it was, it was all about that tenor. And it was, it was just, that, that tenor meant Ireland and what was wonderful and supportive about Ireland.
1: That you would get paid a tenor? Yeah, well, no. Or that, whatever the, it was. No,
0: that you would, there was that sharing thing, there was sharing, a different environment. Sharing. It was just mm. tough. Mm. It was just mm. tough. In a, and that that incident seems to express the difference of the time. Of course, it's go, it's gone like everywhere else. Because I remember when I finally moved back to Ireland. I could see that it, it was about to break apart, and that people were going to have go and have their wonderful careers because they were such good comics already. So the
1: cellar, the whole comedy cellar, was going to break apart, and people were going to leave for London. And they were um, about to leave for yeah, London, yeah,
0: and then yeah. and and this was before. This was when everybody would do the cellar on a Wednesday night and go mm-hmm. to that um, restaurant called Blazers, and they go, "Let's go to Blazers." Uh, yeah, and it was like work on your material, sign on, work on your material during the week, do mm. the show. But that went on for ages and then that, and people were became fantastic. And yeah. I remember when I moved back thinking, oh, God, if I'd only been here a few years earlier, I would have developed good stuff. In mm-hmm. a way, you couldn't really in England because um, it wasn't so supportive. A, because
1: you, you just needed to survive that night rather than experiment. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And yeah, there yeah, was yeah. an experimental vibe in the comedy cellar because mm-hmm. nobody knew what they were doing. No. So, you know, there was a bit of sketch one night. There was a bit of this. There was a bit of that. Improv, like my so. sister, mm-hmm. when she was at college, still at college. She did stuff. Oh, did she? On stage, Jerry Brett, who shared the flat with Kevin. Yeah. Did stuff. He was a civil servant. He came on mm. did stuff. It was get up, have fun, everybody's mm. it was the most magic atmosphere mm. and I remember really appreciating it after the hardness of London, but I knew it was gonna go like mm. that because they were all moving to London. Mm. And uh, and then I did move back to London and I was actually in the final of the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year competition the year that Ardell won it. Mm-hmm. And that was the year he won another competition and then he got the part in Father Ted. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that that's what happens at this age. Either break out mm. and reach that level where you have a secure career maybe for the rest of your career or you stay at the bloody thing and I remember thinking oh, I, I, I wasn't thinking about the work I was thinking I just want that because I want to feel secure yeah. and then and then I gradually learned to not want that and then the new happened and then the
1: new and how did the new first happen
0: well it, we, we just met in the kitchen at a party and it was mm. me and Sue and Tara Flynn we started singing together we decided mm. that we'd get together Outside of stuff uh, Outside of the party Write a few songs And then we supported you guys In Eamon Duran's
1: Me and Paul Tyler yeah. What are you talking about? No, no. Harry Bowsies. The Harry Yeah, You oh, were doing right. a gig we, Were you
0: together in 1995? Yeah I think this so This was May 1995 <laughs> I actually have the review at home Because we got a little mention in Hot Press Oh okay And I remember from that first gig I thought this is something Yeah Because of the reaction
1: It took off straight away didn't it?
0: Yeah, and it and it it just was like pushing an open door, mm-hmm. and uh, it really took off. Mm-hmm. And we did loads of work in the UK, went to Australia and Singapore and everywhere. And mm-hmm. It was brilliant. It's been a lot different since we got it together again in
1: 2011.
0: Mm-hmm. In what way? Uh, it, Everything we do, we have gone for it. Nobody has offered us anything. It's extremely hard to... We can't get on any of the chat shows. Ryan Tubbity won't have us on again. We we can't get on the Late Late Show. You need things like that in order Mm. to promote your work. We can't get on that. We can't get on uh, Ray Darcy. We can't get on any of the primetime slots. They just won't have us. I don't know what it is. Um, The material is great. We're really popular around the country. There's a very... Um,
1: and a yeah. uh, s- uh-huh. strange thing that happens like when you're when you're young and you burst on the scene, even though you've only been writing comedy for two weeks, you'll probably get straight on t v didn't you not find that? I remember getting reviews. Me and Paul Tylek were ridiculous but reviews in the Irish Times. Like, the future of comedy. We were very average when you think uh, back on it. We were uh, like, you,
0: I'm sorry, but you uh, guys were genius. I remember seeing um, you in a club downstairs in Dame Street. Write it down. Write it down. I uh, loved you guys. You had uh, an anarchy, a devil may care, genius thing. And you know when you were doing your sketches together... Mm. Um, at the Cellar 25th thing in Vicar Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely hilarious. What were they? What was the one, the holiday one, right? The
1: ads. Tired, yeah. lonely, depressed. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. we fuck off airlines. You can fuck off to anywhere around I the world. I was
0: backstage <laughs> just gone. That was like some of my favourite stuff of the night. I was, it just makes me so happy. Right. It's so funny. No, I think you were brilliant. But it is true. There was a lot less stuff out there. There was a lot less people in the world. There was a lot less people in Dublin. There was a, people mm. didn't see comedy as a career mm. then. Mm. You know, now it's careerists. And now also, I find the atmospheres changed because there is uh, a comedy agency here. Um, and uh, like George W. Bush, they seem to have um, this thing, you're either with us or against us. Very strange. And, uh, and that's <laughs> know, created yeah. a certain yeah, atmosphere. A schism
1: between people. And, and also, when the festivals come around, you'll find that uh, an agency that has a big act will have the power to bring yeah. all their little acts on. Mm. Because that's the way it goes, isn't it? It's sh- it's not it's, it's a- business rather than show.
0: Yeah. Mm. I don't think it's nice in a small place and it wasn't the mm. ethos that began comedy. But, no, it but wasn't. That's, no. You know, that's just the way it is. Mm. Um mm. I, yeah.
1: And then so the newlers just kinda you stopped doing it and then took a... We her, stopped doing it because
0: uh, you know what? We uh. just were on the road so much mm. and there were so many ups and downs. Um, you know, break. You know, it's hard to work in a trio, mm, mm. and um,
1: it's hard to work in a double act as well.
0: It's very it's hard working with people,
1: competition for laughs and things, or ego and yeah. I don't
0: know. Mm. I, f- I find the ego is less. I would have had yeah a bit of stage mm. ego going. Oh, you're mm. not having that line? I wrote it. Now, no. I don't give a shit who said, writes yeah. it. You know, get the laughs. We're all one act. Nobody's looking at you, looking at me, looking at wow. Oh, it's a package. Mm. Um, we 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 did it to death, so we had to stop. And also, we never got the big telly break or anything that gave us a little bit of a break from being on the road. And mm. um, so we stopped mm. it. But then, um, mm. I think I I, I kind of missed it. Then after mm. about, it took about eight years to miss it. And, and when
1: then, you restarted it up again, is that when you realized yeah, you had cancer? Then? Yeah, just we just
0: yeah. we we did our our reforming gig. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because we we. I just went out to Pat and I said, "Look, will you put put us on in Vicar Street?" And he went, "Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and then yeah, and then well, I think part of it, in fairness, was it was the height of the recession. You know the way it works in Vicar Street. I mean, the, the tickets are twenty quid, twenty five euro a pop, but still, they have you have to sell out to make money. And we didn't sell out. Absolutely. We'd about we'd nearly eight hundred people in, but. And I just and it was a fantastic gig. It was in Mm. March 2011. It was a fantastic gig. We got an instantaneous standing ovation. It was great. Mm. And I thought, Pat, be going, oh, great now, and I'll help you. And I just remember backstage going, I've lost money on this gig. You know, I've lost money. That's all he said to anybody. Standard all night long. And then you go backstage and yeah, it's a I morning. love, I love Pat. He's Mr. Money. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he,
0: which is why he's great. He was going well for yeah. you. He will get more money out. But he was just, yeah. you've lost money on this gig. <laughs> Which is kind of, oh, and, you know, he, you know, I guess, and then mm. it's, so he didn't come on board with us because he realized it was going to be a bit of a slog to build up the audience yeah. again, and yeah. it bloody well has, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah. and also, um, it was the, it was the recession, and it's, mm. it's a lot of, for our audience, a lot of money, come out, two tickets, drinks, babysitter, taxi, you know. Anyway, that was March 2011, oh, yeah. and then True. in um, July... Yeah. The 7th, I was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. I went over to um, Brendan Dempsey and Andrew married his uh, lovely wife, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Went over to London for the party and um, uh, that was on a Sunday and I was diagnosed on a Thursday. Wow. Well, I- Big shock, mm. to be told. And then I haven't been through it all. Um you just realise it's so common I thought I was too young to get it I had so many misconceptions mm. but you know it's kind of good to talk about it because now people go it's round and look at all the David Bowie died of cancer mm. your mouth and eagles everybody seems to be dropping mm. so yeah
1: um, initially did uh, you get the impression that from the uh, the first treatments you were actually kind of excited about the treatment I or was
0: I? Uh, you see mm. there was I was I'd been really depressed yeah and uh I, you know, have to, I wanted to die. I've... I wanted to die, and I was kind of going, this is going to be a lovely segue out. And I had triple negative cancer, which is a type of cancer that unless, if it doesn't respond to chemo, it can be quite hard to treat. Mm. And also the very big tumor, and the, and the consultant was always going every week. He was feeling it when I went in for my chemo. He's going, oh, it hasn't gone down yet. And... I remember being sad when he finally said it's going down but that was just depression you know the, because
1: depression I, I never realised this Anne, and I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'd see mm. you around it it was really 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 dark depression and you were really? actually suicidal
0: right. yeah and uh, before mm. in the past uh, you know I'd smile a lot just did, did that makes sure you feel mm. good but I had gone through a phase of mm. uh, terrible bleakness Mm. Um, the people oh it's it's just terrible it's a terrible affliction so the cancer helped me get through that and then when I the you know because I didn't want to you die get through it the did it, it really did because it, I was so involved in the treatment and it was so mm. all consuming that it kind of bumped me out of that mm. and then when it was all over I found myself getting depressed again and I thought, OK, I'm alive. I really have to take responsibility here. And I had said that I would never try medication again or counselling because they hadn't worked and I'd kept falling back. But I went into both.
1: were well, you again. say, I think, is because the treatment for the cancer was so good and you trusted that treatment for the cancer, you trusted the medical people, that you thought, why, why shouldn't I trust them to medicate my depression?
0: That's right, but I did, but I draw the line on the advice I give in the book about I even went to a psychiatrist because she um, said, because you've recurrent um, depression, I suggest you also go on lithium. lithium." And uh, (laughs) I I went on lithium just before we went back to the Edinburgh Festival. And, oh, my God, I put on loads of weights. I felt like a zombie. I... uh, I was having anxiety uh, panic attacks about forgetting stuff it I was absolutely horrible N- d- d- uh, I don't know about that advice taken lithium is f- you know it's a metal okay and they say that if there's they found that it was li- a little bit of lithium in a water supply the whole village was very happy but um, no a- a lithium didn't work for me but I'm just on a low med now and then I was in counselling for a couple of years and then it was quite funny because I used to be going into the counsellor I'm so unassertive you know and I guess was trying to make me move more boundary, but I'll be going Um So I think I'm I think I'm kinda of ready to finish up She'll be going, No, no, what we need to do is <laughs> we need, no, you want we should be going, no, we need three more wrap-up sessions. Yeah. Then should we should be going, no, we need five wrap-up sessions. I'd be telling Sue, who are right within the newest. How <laughs> much do these cost? Yeah. Oh, it was expensive, but I'd be telling Sue, and Sue go, oh no, she needs work done on her car. that That's yeah. all that, <laughs> that's all that is, Anne. Now, Seriously. I did find the counselling amazing but two years was quite enough for me and that was when I was still writing my column and then I lost my column, which is so funny. Uh, I just wrote all about the cancer and I been let them stick me on the front of the paper even though it was hugely embarrassing. Jesus Christ, I'm so a whore, I just go, oh, do what you want, at least to secure it in my place in the paper mm-hmm. and, then, um, and then they let me go um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I was, so was kind of going, oh I don't have the money for this anymore. Do you know The counselling's very expensive
1: It's very expensive I've found that I've done a good bit of counseling and thinking And they do encourage you To come back And they th- and keep might telling even you, say yeah. Yeah, I think we should do Two sessions a week And you're like They're yeah. earning uh, more money if I, Than I do on stage I, I mean
0: If I was really upset And crying She would go mm, Do you want another session This week mm. And by me going, Yeah I'm upset And the other bit Go Fuck <laughs> off <laughs> Jesus Christ 120 squids In one week I know. Uh, now, you know. I know it, it is it good. is
1: helpful, but that that I do bark at the how expensive it is.
0: Ah, uh, well, it's not as expensive as America.
1: Yeah. Like, and really. anyway, you
0: don't you need a bit is good, but mm. um, I I don't need to do Just it Just find
1: some friends that you can talk to. Well, this <laughs> is the mo- whole thing. Pay them uh, half the price.
0: Well, you see, another big thing is that a year and yeah. a half ago, I finally met a partner, yeah. and uh and he moved in with me, and that. Uh, um, has made all the difference to my life, and That's you know, great. I always wanted cool. to, to meet someone I could settle down with, and I never did because I'm mad. And
1: no, I <laughs> found that in the book that that uh, you really never had met someone that you felt you could be with, or is that correct? Are you even yeah. like you've it was and I was actually.
0: mad, you know, mm. and it was,
1: mm.
0: you know, and it was you know, and I was kind of a bit of a free spirit, and mm. um. Uh, well, it, I wouldn't
1: say even settle down with it, actually, but you never felt you, you could even...
0: No, I don't. I don't ...open
1: to someone yeah, or be yeah. open with someone. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think maybe it's thanks to cancer and counselling mm. and blah, mm. anyway, and Paul is as mad as me. Yeah, that's... And uh, No, it's great having someone. Cool. You know, it's... And that makes a huge difference. I mm. Some people go, oh, no, it's great being single. I love having my own space, but I've had my own space a lot in my life, mm. and... I love sharing my space with him, particularly because I'm a complete slob and he is the tidiest person in the world and there's actually more space in the flat now that he's moved in. And uh, I love him. And now my fear is that he'll get sick and die because that's what <laughs> happens to people when they're around 50. they just suddenly there, there one minute. And actually, I'm saying that because one of his best friends died suddenly last week. Really? And, uh, yeah, out of the blue. So that's, the, yeah, that's the realities of then getting older. It's funny looking back. You think you're going to be young forever, don't you? Mm. You know, mm. we were the young ones. Like, I look at you mm. and I see you and Paul. What were you called?
1: The Quack Squad.
0: The Quack Squad. on this, Do you remember there was a club on Dame Street? I mm. remember seeing you there. Yeah, we. Mad Little Instruments. The Underground,
1: yeah. We, yeah. we did a, it wasn't a comedy club, but we did a comedy night there, yeah. Oh, ah,
0: yeah. and you just go, oh. Yeah. and then I don't know do you, you know th- is there a great scene now with the young people uh there are some
1: gigs i mean the the international is still going, yeah, and uh, that's a mixture of young and old um there's one in the stag's head i don't do the one in the stags because it's free in and on principle. yeah, even if they they haven't asked me
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh
0: i'm not doing it, you haven't asked me but I'm not doing <laughs> it so
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't like the idea of a free in gig, I think it's it's yeah, wrong.
0: I love playing clubs, and I wish that we mm. would do that. But we're kind of going around doing mm. the um, theatre, the the theatre thing. And I don't really, mm. I don't think stand-up was ever really my bag. I'm too, mm. I'm too raw, and I never worked out having a um, a, a really hermetically sealed persona that, right
1: do you know what I mean yeah where you were coming from exactly yeah, yeah.
0: I would bring that rawness I love stage. some of your lines
1: though about um, your period what's the one about your period
0: oh yeah um, I went to the doctor said a whole three weeks running up to my period I'm snappy and irritable and then for a week after you know i even worse post syndrome. syndrome um, what's wrong with me and he said there's nothing wrong with you you're just a moody old bitch that's all <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh I, I did. when I look back I did. I did have some nice lines, but mm. Yeah the actually chickens, you chickens know. periods. <laughs> oh yeah, the egg. Yeah, what well, uh, is it? Wouldn't be great if we could lay eggs like chickens? If just one clear cut decision. Oops, I've laid an egg. Should I hatch a baby? Or do I fancy an omelet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh I actually was talking to Michelle Reed there uh recently and
0: Oh, she, she used to be great. She
1: had some great the poem about. Um...
0: Oh, did she have the one about the yogurt? Yes. Yeah, and I also remember that one that she had about. Sustitis, she was self defense, yeah, yeah. And it's a cystitis poem mm. and then breast juggling. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And she go, Oh, I have a soft spot for sailors. It's McGee. <laughs> uh, she was very cheeky and yeah, was... fun. You know, when she was established on the circuit. Yeah, you know, she was a great comic yeah. and uh, she had that one about doing um, self-defense classes mm. and then feeling something poking into her bottom and turning around on the tube and going, get your cock out of my ass. And it was man with a big umbrella. <laughs> but the way she did it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so funny and real. She was great. Brilliant, still Yeah, she, when still she was is. doing it. Oh, no, I, I know she is, but she mm. was great doing, doing stand-up. Up. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. hilarious in the improv.
1: No, she's brilliant. And yeah. She's Not just funny, funny, yeah. funny, funny. Yeah, she's funny, funny. Well, listen, we've come to the end. Thanks for coming in, Anne. Anne. It's been a brilliant chat. Should,
0: oh, thank you. Should. Wasn't I saying, I, I don't have a big ego. Oh, but I love talking about myself for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, uh, yeah, it's great. You've, you've uh, found... Love.
0: I found love Things mm. ticking on nicely I'm putting in this mad proposal To the Arts Council later um, mm. Things are good Do you know I'm yeah. happier than I've ever been And life finally feels secure At 50 I can say I finally feel a security That I almost never felt Ever before Except when I was 5 and in England So uh, That is brilliant Yeah I am actually I'm happy
1: that's brilliant, Anne. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, hope you enjoyed that. Um, I uh, would like to thank uh, the producer of the show, Andrew Maxwell. No, Andrew Mangan. Yes, of course. That guy that produces it every week Uh, and uh, just mixed him up with the comedian Andrew Maxwell because I did a gig with him last night. Not a gig, I recorded a panel show for RTE and uh, it's called uh, Don't Quote Me On That. Um, Yeah, and I'd like to thank Daniel uh, Rooney for the music Thank you for listening. Thank you to Castaway Media for hosting the podcast. And there's lots more podcasts on the website if you go on the Castaway Media website. Uh, Don't forget our live podcast coming up on the 24th of February in the Stag's Head with Amanda Brunker, John Connors and uh, Thomas Walsh. Thank you for listening. Please give me a rating. Give me a review. Get me on uh, Twitter at Joe Rooney 1. And my website, www.joerooneycomedian.com for any interaction, be it good or bad. Give me a shout. Okay, I'll be talking to you next week. Bye.